I'm Don Simpson, the creator of Megaton Man, Border Worlds, Bizarre Heroes, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I think we're just going to push on through. We're going to break on through to the other side. With I, that I, one. Made, I made the grimmiest face, grimaciest face when I said that. So as long as it did, did you poop? I didn't poop. I just did not like the way it emanated from my head. Yeah. You, uh, are you pro doors? Or do you dislike the doors? No, I love the doors. <laughs> David does not. Oh, David. I'm not, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not like, oh, snap, it's the doors. I think the doors movie is one of the better, um, like, bio movies I've seen, though. I like it a lot. That's because Oliver Stone embellishes. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Well, what's okay. the point of me? Like, I. I I never get mad at that because it's like if you're writing a biography where you like you're in a historical context, yeah, you want to be you want to yes. take. But if you're making a movie, it's supposed to entertain. I mean, I don't. Yeah, but I, I think Lynch should have made that movie. It would have been even Ooh. better. Yes, any movie's better if Lynch makes it. But whatever. This is true. Yeah. Hey, no, I don't. I'm sorry. No, the the, the I I understand the the appeal to the doors. They're just not necessarily a. Um, something that i'm gonna run out of my way to, to listen to unlike this hi everybody it's <laughs> 11 yes it's 11 o'clock comics episode 841 you didn't know we were coming but yet here we are i'm vince b and i that's weird and david a price and i'm ready set to fight because i'm richard aldana no you're not why you gotta fight so much He's the fightiest. It's supposed to make you happy with that. You're supposed to be like, I'm, oh, no way. Yeah, but why? No, you're Jason Wood, everybody. Here together in this bonus episode brought to you by the letter P for patron, because that's who made this possible. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Everybody there loves us and we love them. They gather each and every day on the dedicated Slack channel. And one of the things that I always, always fail to mention is that each and every month we serve up our patrons a bonus audio shenanigan thing that's anywhere from three to six plus hours long you can only hear that as a patron yes some of it is seriously some of it is is ridiculous and not for public consumption (laughs) but if you're a patron you're not public you're family so uh, shimmy on over to the patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Check it out. Audio, video, images, book of the month, dedicated Slack channel, free audio files, just a big kumbaya group hug. We love it. Big facts. Yes. Yeah. Huge facts. Bonus app. I love it. It's a good. love. Yes. My I kids lo- are giddy right now. They're, they got a snow day Is tomorrow. Bonus app? Oh. So. Nope. Yeah, Dad. School's already, been can- <laughs> school's already been canceled, so they're uh, so they're they're very happy. They're yeah, we're getting hammered. Oof. Yes, two yeah. nine inches, as they're saying. Hey, now rumor has right, wow. We're adapt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they uh, I just it, I could still see the blacktop outside when we started, and I just looked out the window again, and the shit's all white. Rumor has it they were supposed to make an announcement for the, for our college around five o'clock this evening, and um. Still no messages going out yet, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um, 
you know, these days, I guess not 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 going into an office every day. It doesn't really feel like it's much of a change for me, but they they seem quite happy. I am very happy. Yes. You should be. I am. That's why I'm drinking. That's why you're talking to us. Oh, oh what, yeah, are you, what, are you what, are you, what are you drinking? Well, I'm finishing off this Rush Golden Ale. It's it's five point five. Actually, it is the 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 Star Man with the buttocks on the front of the beer bottle. Um, but they they kind of slyly went in with a little bit of uh, red. Like the star is red, of course, red on black. And they have a little bit of a overspray on his legs. So he's butt naked, but if you saw it on the shelves, you wouldn't think that, oh, there's a little butt naked man. I don't know why they have to do that in this day and age. Buttocks are beautiful. Um, and this is a pretty famous... Yeah, and this is a pretty famous logo, so whatever. But um, it's not, and it never will be a famous beer. Mm. Yeah, okay. It, it's okay. It is It is not an affront, but um, it's not a go-to, that's for sure. But <laughs> I'm, I didn't pay for it, so... I'm not going to. Three ninety nine makes yes. I'm not going to complain. Yes. Well, being that it is a snow day, and uh, being that I had to go into the city back to back work days for the first time in a long time, and uh, you know, being that uh, you know, whatever, I uh, I too am having some cocktail. Yay! I am drinking uh, a little decoy. Aw, conceptual continuity. Nice. Little 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 decoy Merlot. So, CDAP, this is how it starts. He said, he said, damning Jason forever to bring alcohol to the show ever again by saying this is how it starts. <laughs> I mean, I, I also did 35 miles on the bike. But. Is it really 35 miles, though? Yeah. It, it is. I mean, in bike terms, it's 35 miles. But what if you ran that? Well, you'd, that's you'd, a totally different miles. Yeah, you'd be dead. Well, would, yeah, I mean, there's not many people on the planet that can run 35 miles in a day, much less like my that's my, a marathon boo and a half. my boo can do it. Who? Oh, your boy Mike. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, but I mean, like, like I mean, a marathon's 20, you know 26 miles. So right. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. And, and it gets excessive after a while. Like you got to wonder, you're smashing the shit out of your joints like crazy. Yep. I think your way of doing it is far superior and better for you, yes. but. There. Well, you think of it this way: like if you just think of like time put in. I mean, I think for in like an in shape person, not like a, not I'm talking not talking like a competitive, uh, you know, uh, like like professional athlete, but like for an in shape person, um, you know, like someone like maybe like like a, like a rod like that runs marathons on the regular. Like I think, you know, the goal is is less than four, but probably a higher than three hours, right? Like, you know, like you're you're somewhere in that three to four hour window, and. On the bike, when I'm, you know, working out like intensely, I'm going about 22 to 24 miles an hour. So like, that's your delta in terms of like the time. It's you like one hour on the bike is the same amount of miles as it would take to run for like three to four hours. So like that's I mean inherently it's it's I don't know that you can like straight line say it's three times as easy, but you know that's the who said that? No, I'm saying like that's the delta. So like oh, gotcha. I, would, I would need to put in like. You know, like I would, 
like I think it's I don't like I don't know how many hours like I don't know how much time on a bike equates to the same amount of time running right like I don't know I don't really know how that works physiologically I'm sure someone else that's listening I'm sure some of our hardcore EOCers that that have done it all probably have very hard and fast data there but uh, like but I know that like when I did the 150 miles in, in a day uh, like I know a lot of people a lot of my buddies that are hardcore marathoners and triathletes were like that's ridiculous they were like so like I think that's like I would assume the 150 miles I did in one day, which took me seven hours, is probably equivalent to like running a marathon or more. Like that's you know physically, I'm saying so. That's but again, that's not something you can or should do all that often. A couple times a year max, right? So right. What are you drinking, Dap? Uh, I am enjoying some of uh, shout out to uh, Tana Basil Hayden Dark Rye. Nice. There you go. Always a shout out to Tana. Always. Yes. Hi. Hi. When you coming back? Yes, please. please. All you got to do is ask, I'm sure. That's true. She'd be like, I was just there. No, it's okay. Mm. You can come back every time. No, if you ask her, she'll be back. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Before we get to uh, the major business, I have to uh, give credit where credit is due. To whom? To to you. Well, and to DAP as well. Uh, Partially to you and DAP, like on part of it, and then part of it to you. Um. You know, when you when you're when you guys are right, you're right. Which is listen, we, that's why we value each other's opinions. Um, my intro, of course, was uh, was Richard Aldana, who is one of the protagonists of Last Man, which you two both spoke glowingly about several weeks ago. And uh, as you know, I ordered it. Uh, it finally came, and I read it this week. And uh, I don't need to talk about it more than you guys did the deep dive but it was fantastic you guys hey. were absolutely right it was amazing i was a little um, scared that's why i didn't follow up on it yeah. but knowing <laughs> that you picked it to be your goal to for the yeah, I, yeah. yeah that means you liked well i well, guess for, i was I mean, hoping like we talked about i mean if, bastion vive is a, i'm a big fan of his work you know right from from other stuff so that's a plus and um you know it, it was just i thought it was neat because it was like simultaneously a love letter to things like like the 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 litany of 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 manga fighting you know yeah street fighter series yeah. right but but on the on the flip side it was also a bit of like kind of poking fun of it right like in the, yes. the main protagonist is like what the fuck's all this nonsense like i'm just gonna beat the shit out of you you know like and um and it had just the like right amount of sexy right like there's some fucking mm-hmm. and uh and, and then it left a huge cliffhanger and then i did because as we talked about when you guys were raving about it this came out started command uh 2013 um, I saw a thing where Kirkman said that uh, he discovered it when he was out over in Europe, I think at Angoulême, like he just stumbled upon it years ago, and the whole thing, and he was blown away, and he said that, I guess, we have no idea, based on the first volume, where it's going to go. Like, it's it's it becomes so much more and so much bigger than what Excellent. we get in the first volume. So, yeah, I think what well, we get the second volume in March, right? Next month? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's where you both get the credit. And then, Vince, you get the credit because I mentioned a week or two ago that the only um, Alan Moore work of consequence that I hadn't read, as far as I remember or could figure, was The Ballad of Halo Jones. Mm. And I mentioned that I was going to rectify that with the quickness because um, 2080 Rebellion put out a beautiful hardcover uh, a few weeks ago, uh, a full-color omnibus edition, collecting all three uh, volumes of Halo Jones, and when I mentioned it, you were kind of like, eh. like you were like, well, 
Yeah, I mean, it's Alan Moore, so obviously it's worth reading. But you know, it's it's not like like if there's one thing not to have read, it it's probably that. And mm-hmm. I have to say that um, you're right. I mean, like I would say that the bar is so high with Alan's work that like I very much am glad I read it. Right. Because, like I said, it was the only thing I haven't read, and and so I, I like it was not a waste of time per se, but for sure it's toward the low end of the yeah. stuff I've read of his. Um, and and I, I don't mean that to people like I don't I'm not trying to throw shade at it in the sense that like it's it is what it is, but um, there definitely are aspects to it that I didn't like as much as a typical Alan Moore work, in as much as there is a typical Alan Moore work, but. Um, I will say that it was really cool to have it in this form because having to read all three volumes in one sitting was helpful because you can really see the contrast. Um, and I don't know how much you remember this uh, or not, but like the the biggest problem I had with it was in the first volume, just the the like the made up slang is just <laughs> almost indecipherable. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, and and to his credit, I I don't you know the the second and third volumes are not like that. It's much more straightforward verbiage. So I assume he he either came to that conclusion himself or or he got enough feedback from people he valued as their opinions. Were like, dude, cool it with the with this language. Like, it's impossible to figure out what the hell you're saying. Um, so like, I thought the second and third arcs were much much more entertaining than the first. Um, and then like I think Ian Gibson's really talented, but like I think there's a um a sameness to his to his like his line particularly his his his, his facial expressions that um kind of i think did a bit of a disservice to the tone of the book uh for me um but again i don't want to besmirch it like i enjoyed it i'm glad i've read it i feel like i've now like checked off the final mark for the alan moore reader catalog um and i definitely thought it was cool like the in in this volume there's an intro by kieran gillen talking about the significance of the work and I hadn't realized that, I guess, at the time that 2000 AD was coming out, uh, rather at the time that this was put out in 2000 AD, to say it a better way, um, you know, it was, 2000 AD was pretty much, well, was almost exclusively a bunch of warfaring male-dominated stories because it was catering to teenage boys in, in the UK. And um, and this was a bit of a culture shock to to be in the book because it was very much a, you know, a, a young woman protagonist uh with sort of a feminist agenda and and at least in the first arc i mean her base the basic premise is they're going out on a shopping trip and that that like rust ruffled feathers when it when it was coming out in the in 84 because a lot of people that were reading to us and you're like what the fuck is this like like what, what what is this um but then he to his credit to he well to their credit to he and ian's credit like they did win over the readership and uh it was one of the earlier examples of female protagonism in in popular comics and so i mean i appreciate that for sure like that's cool um but yeah i but but you were you were right it, it's definitely not like a it's not gonna it's not gonna move up the list of the next time we do a top 10 alan moore works it's probably not gonna factor in that for me there you go i do like gibson's art though but uh yeah no it's not that i, I don't i definitely don't dislike it it's just i didn't i felt like it was just a little too uh uh, just a little too uh, cartoony for the tone of it, particularly the third volume, which is pretty much like a war PTSD kind of a vibe. Um, it just like it felt like the art worked really well in the first arc 
because of the story. And then as each arc got more serious, I felt like the art distanced itself from its effectiveness. But again, not like in a major way. Just I just I don't think this is the when you think of all the classic pairings Alan's had with artists, I, I don't I don't. I didn't come away as as excited by this one as I have some of the others. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of lists, he said, mm. we, uh, we were throwing around the medicine ball today and we came up with another top five list. Woo! Yeah. Damn skippy baby. For this episode, we are going to go with our top five favorite anthologies. Who doesn't love anthologies? Everybody loves them. Well, you should if you don't. And there has been a a ridiculous amount of top-tier anthologies over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not on my list, but one of the all-time greatest anthologies, Walt Disney's Comics and Stories. Like, mm. how do you top that? Well, I found a way, but uh, as far as my list goes anyway. But uh, anthologies abound. So we uh, picked our own brains, and we came up with our top five favorites. Yes. Jason, uh, you're young. Why don't you go first? <laughs> uh, well, I, di- I mean, as, as you're supposed to do with these things, I have a, a one through five. Uh, me too. Oh, okay. Sometimes you go, oh, I didn't break them. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I don't – I really don't sound like John Houseman. No, but you, okay. you don't. You don't. Um, so this was an interesting one because we have an anthology – uh, you know, we we read a lot of anthologies. We it is a category on the O'Claskers. Um There are lots of different types of anthologies. Like like making this list, I was thinking about there are, and we'll probably get to some of them. There are like anthologies that are just the the format itself of the book is is an anthology, and and they they run. They're either still running or had run for many years. There are um, just straight up collections of thematic anthology where it's just, it's, it's one volume of something that is catered to a specific topic or idea and then is done. Um, you know, so, so like there are lots of ways you can go with this. Um, I also, for me with this one, I was like, at first I'm like, well, should I, should I give what I think are the five most important anthologies of all time? Or should I go with the five anthologies that, that I've enjoyed or mean the most to me? Right, because they are very in in this case they're very different. I think. Hell yeah! Right, like um, like I could imagine there are two, at least on your list, probably for sure, and maybe they're on Dap's list too, that I would absolutely agree probably should be on a top five if we were saying like the most important anthologies and comics, but they aren't on mine because I just didn't they didn't mean a lot to me as a reader, you know, um, not because I had anything against them, I just didn't experience them that much so i ultimately just went with the five that i thought were like an, uh, things that i legitimately have read uh, either a, in if they're ongoing like a big chunk of or 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 love them for their their standalone nature um so my my fifth and this is maybe surprising I, and it is number five for because it's it's probably the the dark you know the 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 the, the surprise of them and that is a uh, x mag uh, which is relatively new, you know. We, we I, I was unaware of them uh, until maybe a year and a half ago, right? And, um, and I think they're amazing. And I, unfortunately, they're done by Piao, yeah. by Piao. But yeah. uh, we got our, we got the fourth and final what last year uh, or the year before? I can't remember if it was, it was last year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I, I, I after getting the third one, 
and then we got the fourth one. I got the first and the second, and they're I think they're all amazing. And uh, maybe there's some recency bias, but for me, it was one of the first that came to mind, so I'm going to stick with it. So I went with X Mag. Yeah, it's I, no one can fault you for that. But um, see, I went, and I don't want to go next, but I'm just saying I went closer to the heart. Like I, it, all of mine are some of the best comics that have ever been published. But that's not why I chose them. Sure. Okay. Right. And it's amazing when you just take a step back um, and look at all of the, oh, huh, I didn't shut my mail down. And, and you look at like Marvel's black and white magazines, almost all of them were anthologies. Yep. Planet of the Apes, uh, Monsters Unleashed, yep. uh, Tales of the Zombie, like all of them. Were, DC uh, too. You got House of Secrets, House sh- of Mystery. Right. I mean, yeah. antho- even the war books. Mm-hmm. Men at War, Unknown Soldier, books. crazy. They're, anthologies were the way to go for a long, yeah. long time. And yeah, if you're going historical, like a, pretty much a good chunk of the comics that were coming out in the 40s, 50s, and then into the early 60s were anthologies by design. Yes. I also should say, um, for the sake of this, I didn't allow, I didn't personally allow any um, of the, like the Japanese like Tunkelbond stuff like I didn't I didn't allow that because like to me they were their own thing like for me they were like their own thing and it's hard for me to like they're so long running and so influential right like I, I, I it was hard for me to not just like make like I was like you know like I couldn't just I just couldn't I couldn't figure out how to put them in the context of right of of of, of uh like English English based books so I I just I didn't include any of those not to say that you, you're wrong for doing so I, I did not either Okay. Yep. Dap, what's your number five? Uh, well, I'm like looking at the uh, the history of anthologies and serialized comics. I, I I didn't look at numbers or what's ever considered the best of the best. These were all these were all books, all titles that. I've read at some point in my life, and uh, and and so they all mean something to me in some way, shape, or form. So that's nice. that yeah, that's what forms my five. And so it's like my how we do the eleven o'clock Oscars. This is more favorite than right, exactly like, than, than best. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm not I'm I'm not trying to you know name something out of the blue that you mm-hmm. know somebody else might not think of just because oh I got to say it. So these my fifth is one of the funnest and surprising. Uh, based on where this publisher was at the time when they revealed the the the, the first of these two uh two miniseries but that would be marvel's strange tales with all of the indie creators like oh, like peter bag like grandpa like that was just that was it was it was so unique because you're just seeing you're seeing some you're seeing some some creators that you never would see work on a mainstream ongoing monthly marvel book just do three five eight pages of you know wolverine in a boxing ring or or it just you know hulk having lunch just but but just because of the creator who drew it and wrote it uh it's just it's so it's it was neat to see marvel characters presented and treated that way and 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 with care and respect it's not like you know it was it was some indie book that's trying to mock or or parody 
Marvel's work. It's just they're they're doing work for Marvel and 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 they're having fun doing it. It it, it really for me it came across as though they were having a blast telling these stories. So uh, I'm I'm glad Marvel came out with Strange Tales and Strange Tales Two, and uh, I definitely recommend it if you just want to have some fun with characters you're familiar with in a not so serious setting and uh and and it it, it it's a good time so i'm i'm super happy it exists and it uh, it easily made my top five that's great I, you know what i did i have it because i'm sure like you guys i made like a running list of ones that then kind of winnow down and that didn't wasn't on the list but it is but i love that thing i just totally didn't think of it so it's a good one yeah my number five is 2000 AD. Nice. Dread, okay. Rogue Trooper, Nemesis yeah. the Warlock, Shut Up, Strontium, Dog, Strontium. like how do you not? Yeah. This yeah, yeah. It's just Robusters, uh, Halo Jones, we said, D.R. and Quinch, Dan Dare. I mean, you get on the list of all of the awesome characters. I mean, you just got done naming characters, and, and but I mean, the creators who worked on these stories just are yeah. just blow everything out of the water. And this is old school. 2000 yeah. AD. I'm not even starting with the newer stuff. That is just, uh, I mean, the, the tradition continues. Uh, I love 2000 AD. It always is the the thing that uh, I can go back to every once in a while because, uh, to be honest, a lot of the sea it waxes and wanes. Like we've we've said this before, uh, 2000 AD will have a real hot stretch, and then it'll cool off for a couple months, and then it gets hot again. And mm-hmm. it's always there, which is the best thing. So, yes, uh, 2000 AD, my number five. Nice, nice. Uh, my number four, and, you know, I'll probably seed the floor because I'm sure this is probably even higher on at least one, if not both of your lists. But, uh, and that's uh, Metal Hurlant, a.k.a., uh, you know, Heavy Metal. Um, Jesus. No, and, and, and again, like, I'm just, like, the reason it's not higher, it's not because I think, like, I think objectively I'd probably put it higher, if not number one. But it's just that... Um, my experience with it has been more sporadic, right? Like it's it's been more hitter. Like I don't think I've ever read something in like th- that's classic heavy metal that I haven't thought is awesome. But I I also can't say that I'm like like a, a, a scholar of it either. You know, I mean, it's been much more anecdotal for me over the years in reading it. Um, and so like I just I, I couldn't in good faith put it higher. Not be like I I could see. In, in you know in the in the never-ending Regina list of things we can we continue to want to read like I've I've always wanted to have uh, like a much bigger commitment to reading some of that classic stuff in a much uh, more cohesive way in which case I'm sure it would rocket up my list but everything I've read of it has been phenomenal and certainly it doesn't take you didn't need to read all of it uh, to understand the historical significance of it um, and, and you know really when you think about a lot of the stuff that we've rift on over the years in terms of european collections and the like i mean obviously much of it either came from or was a part of that in some way uh you know with mobius and drier and, and so many others so it's it's i have read like collections of stuff that were originally published in heavy metal much more than i've read like how it came out in heavy metal so it's number four on my list but not in any way like do i think that that's like that's probably as low as it could possibly be justifiable. There you go. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, for me, my number four um, is one that uh, I I wasn't there at the beginning. I really started 
reading them as the uh, it was nearing the end. Um, but those final issues were were fun for me, uh, and there was the connection to pretty much the main line uh, because of that one particular story. But it would be Epic Illustrated, mm-hmm. and and the story I'm talking about is is the Last Galactic story, uh, the Last Galactic story by John Byrne. And, uh, yeah, it was just, like I said, I, and, and we talked about Epic a little bit last time uh, because of uh, Starlin. And it's just, um, for me, in my young mind, it was just pretty neat to see the same same people who put out Amazing Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, Fantastic Four, were also doing this magazine in an actual magazine-sized format because I wasn't, uh, it's not like I was reading Savage Sword or anything in the 70s, so I missed that boat, but uh, seeing a nice, slick magazine that was basically, you know, like on the shelves next to 1984 or Omni or anything else that you'd see on a newsstand, um, although it was a little bit more adult in nature but it was it was uh it just blew my young mind away and and uh I have some fond memories of picking up issues here and there but yeah it it's uh it it has to make my list in some way shape or form my number four i'm just gonna say two words and you're gonna know sin city yeah, oh, yeah. DHB, that's a great yeah, one. DHB. That's all you have to say, right? But yeah. yep. that's not the it, that's not the end. Concrete, no. Aliens, Predator, The Aerialist, Bacchus, Next Men, The Mask, Dirty Pear, Eyeball Kid, Roach Mill, Milk and Cheese, mm. Duckman, Tarzan, Flaving Carrot. Like what, Mister Monster? Yeah, Mister Monster, Cowboy. Monkey Man, and O'Brien. Yep. Um, Dark Horse presents. I always bought it uh, when the shop didn't get it. I was pissed. And uh, I have some holes in my, my run, but for the most part, I have pretty much, give or take 10 issues, the entirety of Dark Horse Presents, nice. the first run, first run. Um, and they've tried to go back uh, to the well uh, with varying uh, levels remember of Remember the success. MySpace Dark Horse Presents? Yes, yes. Um, I also remember the uh, prestige format. The slick, 899 Dark Horse Yes, yeah, slick as hell. <laughs> Yeah. Let's watch Neil Adams uh, work his medicine story. out. Um, it, just weird. But, yeah, the, the OG Dark Horse Presents is, uh, bar none, one of the best anthologies ever. But Agreed. be that as it may, it is just, a, for me, it was a, just a hell of a fun time. Each and every uh, month. Didn't they do it uh, twice a month there for a while, Dab? Yes. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it was it was always there. When, when you were... You, if it was a low week at the shop, Dark Horse Presents was always there to just pick you up, give you some great comics to read. So, and yeah. yeah, there we go. Dark Horse Presents numero cuatro. Love, Love it. it. Yeah, it Love just it. it just barely missed out on my five, but I I totally co-sign that. Respect. Um, my number three is a book that I think was seminal in my evolution as a comic reader and probably also like uh coincident with our show and and helping me in my journey to become a more well-rounded comics reader um and that is Kramer's Ergot. Oh nice, yeah. Um 
I remember you, Vince, raving about Volume 7 <laughs> back in 28, 2008, when we were first starting the show. And I was like, you had me at the at the size, size queen that I am, because um, you were talking about And I don't remember if it was like, I think you were either like pissed that you forgot to get it or you needed it. I forget. Yeah, I, context, I, I never. I, I've, I've been in the presence of the thing and I've read it. But I don't own it because I'm stupid and didn't uh, get on the right. The tip. Well, I am fortunate enough to own seven, eight, nine, and ten. And you know, when I think back, like I think when I read seven, I was like, "Oh, this is neat. This is different." But then, like when I look back at it now, I'm like, "God damn!" Like I mean, the the people in that book at the time, most of them were, and I'm embarrassed to say, like unknown to me. But now I look at these names and I'm like, "Oh my god, these are all the people that." It's the reason why I talk about fanographics every every yeah. every week. Like you know, I mean, I mean that that particularly that seventh volume, which for those that don't know, was like massively over. It was like the size of like a um like an artist edition for people that if you know what that looks yeah. like, like a like a you know. But you had, I mean, you had you know you had Brinkman and Brunetti and and Dan Klaus and and uh, you know Kim Deitch, right and Groening and um, I mean Sammy Harkman Har- Harkum is the he's the he's the man behind. Kramer's are good, so obviously he's in all of them. Yeah, the Hern- you know, Lebros Hernandez, um, you know, uh, you had Dash Shaw, you had uh, you had you had Rupert and Mulo, which we just we talk about all the time. We just talked about last week. Johnny Ryan, Richard Sala, is Frank Santoro, who's been a huge fan of, but like and, and many many more. But like Adrian Tomine, I think is in in that seventh one, and Chris Ware. But the point is, is like all these people are like the seminal minds of the last 15 to 20 years of indie comics and and i've come to love so many of them on a individual level but uh for me kramer's ergot in particular seven and eight i mean nine and ten are so like seven was one of ventura press eight was picture box rest in peace and then nine and ten have been fanta um but yeah i i think those have been they're phenomenal works they're not just phenomenal for the content but they're they're each one is it's an individual thing of beauty in the way it's produced uh, and uh, and like I said, I mean, just totally, hugely formative for me in, in my journey as a reader. So, Seven is the only one I don't have. I'll leave it to you in my will, buddy. <laughs> You'll outlive me, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He pedals away. <laughs> so what are we at? Three? You're at number, number three. three yeah. yeah, number three is my Jason's number four because I just, it was the mid to late 80s and I would buy every single issue of Heavy Metal I could as soon as I saw it on the stand. Um, it just opened me up to, obviously, um, very erotic stories, but creators that uh, I wouldn't have a t- chance to read or, or, or see um, with my mainly mainstream diet. So it was just, it, it, I I loved the whole having my horizons broadened and, and my eyes opened aspect to it and, and seeing creators that you know, most of the, the, the comic art world in that regard we're, we're familiar with and uh, seeing where some of the creators in the American side, on the American side of books, seeing where some of their influences were, and and uh, just really being aware of of so many creators that I wouldn't get to see 
anywhere else. And and this and and all the science fiction stories out the ass that I just couldn't get enough of, and and um, it made me want to stupidly um, try to imitate Mobius's work in in my art class and and failing miserably. It was just I I was just so happy to be aware of something else and and to just see stories from overseas translated and and i absolutely adored that magazine it's it's a certain era it's a special time when i that i prefer for my heavy metal but sure uh, but i just yeah i i adored that it it probably almost any other day it would it would be my number one um but yeah it's just it's it's right there right in the middle of the top five Love well, it. I was I was seven years old when the movie was made, and uh, <laughs> that was definitely like one of the first times in my life I saw like sexuality on a screen. Like I remember watching on a cable, just thinking like, "Oh, I shouldn't be watching yep. this." So. <laughs> like, is that John Candy? What the hell is John Candy in a cartoon? <sighs> So. Why are they sucking up all that white stuff off the floor of that spaceship? <laughs> what is that? Uh, my number three. It should be higher based on the impact it has had on me and continues to have on me. But I had to be legit. The numbers one and two are more dead center of my heart. Maybe I don't know. I really struggle with the last three. Um, sure. Your number three is comics book. Nice. I've talked about it a million, yeah. million, zillion times. Um, from the, especially number one with that Peter Poplaski cover, and then Art Spiegelman, Howard Cruz, Skip Williamson, Trina Robbins, Kim Deitch, Dennis Kitchen, S. Clay Wilson. Shut up. My God, these people, Justin Green, uh, they're just powerhouses. It, it was the first underground comic published by a mainstream publisher. Yep. And it was like a virus. It was an infection. They didn't know. Stan had no idea what he was publishing. Nope. And Dennis was just like, <laughs> and so Marvel did three issues and Kitchen Sink did four and five and then it was gone. It struck like lightning. It left a massive impression. Uh, specifically on me and um it's just uh, i i adore it i I, if i had to pick one single comic to be buried with it would be comics book number one Ooh, that is big talk from you i have it wow that's great that is big talk from you that is yep Nice. I'm I just the the cover. You don't. Everyone. I always say. You know, experiencing art, no matter how impactful it is, it could be uh, subdued. It could be massively impactful. You are never the same once you walk away from a piece of art. Whether you're nonplussed or you're you know overjoyed, that person that walks away from the art is not the same person. Um, I could not have been more different after I digested comics book number one. It just, it ripped me apart and put me all back together in a different way. Yeah. That's phenomenal. I was, I was, I was a baby. (laughs) I was a little kid. And this, this thing came out from Marvel and I was like, there was, there was nudity and drug use in it and, and foul language. Like, wow, it was all in black and white. And I was just like, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) No doubt. Yeah. 
No doubt. What, yeah. what, uh, what would you be buried with, Jason? Oof, you mean, wow. I mean, I uh, wow. Um, I mean, this is going to sound corny, but I mean, you got, I mean, Watchmen, I guess, because I still think it's the best comic ever. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, like if I had to be buried with one comic, it'd be Watchmen. So you're saying that you want to be buried with something that were you forced to read this thing for the rest of eternity, you'd be okay with it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that, well, yeah, that talk, would be good. We talk about like how, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not much for, like, generally speaking, I don't think I'm much for rereading, but the things I truly love, both novels and comics, I have reread a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, Watchmen, I've read, I don't know, eight, ten times in my life. So, like, yeah, I mean, obviously, I keep coming back to it and, and enjoying the reread. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know that, I mean, I'm almost 50 now, so I don't know that I'll ever not think Watchmen's the best comic ever, right? Because part of it, again, is, like, when I imprinted it. So, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, how about you, Dad? Um, I'll be cremated with the um, artist edition of uh, Born Again. Oh, okay. We're going to artist editions now. I didn't know we were going to cheat, but that's cool. How, how is that cheating? It's <laughs> cool. Well, no. that's not a comic. That's a that's an art book. But it with is, a it's, comic it's in it. It's the whole story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, relax. It's, relax. Relax, bro. My dude, relax. No, I'm, right. I think that's a good that's a good choice. Yeah. But, I mean, specifically, that Art Spiegelman story in comics book, Ace Hole, Midget Detective, that story is perfect. It can for, cure for, cure cancer. For, uh, for not-so-long-time listeners, we did do a deep dive on comics book um, some years ago when the collection came out, the beautiful slipcase yep. hardcover collection. Um, I don't have – I didn't I – maybe we could just search. I don't know what episode it was. It was a long time ago, but we did do a deep yeah. dive. So I don't think it's complete. I don't think the uh, – the, the, it, it's not everything. I'm, I'm yeah, because it's like the best of. Yeah, I'm 99.9% sure that there's shit missing. We it. also did a deep dive on Wits End, for those wondering, also if you're mm, – We did love that. On, all, on all those. Um, okay, so my number two is something we've already discussed. That's Star Horse Presents. Um, and you know it's it's somewhat of a this is an, a nod to all of its incarnations. Um, uh, I but I think that like you, you already rattled off the list. I mean the when you look at the at the stories and the creators that were in the OG Dark Horse, uh, there's a reason why it won five Eisners. You know like it's 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 incredible and, um, and and I I was so taken by that that I I did go back years and years ago and buy a big chunk of it on eBay. And uh, I don't have anywhere near the like the complete collection that, that Vince has, but I do have a big chunk of it. Um, back when I was still buying single issues on the regular, and uh, it's amazing stuff. Um, I, I I think for me, it's it, it in terms of long running anthology style, it's my favorite. Um, so not to not to not to uh, uh, you know not to uh, sort of give away my number one, but my number one is a is a finite anthology so uh so this is my favorite dhp is my favorite long-running anthology respect that uh my 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 numbers one and two should not surprise anybody these are truly um from my heart talked about them constantly i compare to uh number two i i compare most um superhero anthologies too uh and and that's the uh that's from the late seventies into uh, the the or the seventies into the eighties dollar comics version of uh, World's Finest from DC, where you start off with a Superman and Batman story, and then you either get 
you get a Shazam or a Green Arrow or a Green Lantern or a vigilante, old school vigilante with the cowboy on the motorcycle. There's just I I was introduced to creators like Don Newton, Trevor Von Eden. Uh, they're just I would and and I really this is where I can I can thank my uh, my aunt for all the books she gave me because there were so many issues of world's finest that uh, were obtained from flea markets that um, just made the bulk of, of my early collection. And uh, I was giddy when I would rip open that plastic bag and there were actually consecutive issues. So I wasn't going to miss any of the cereals inside. And, and, uh, and over time I'll, you know, I'll, I'll rescue whatever I can from, uh, from the back issue bins, but that's just that, that, like everything else on this list it's just it it i think of the, I, I think of that book and it just sparks so many memories instantly and uh and and i can't i i i, I can't if if i talk about the comic book fan that i am it's world's finest is so tied into that it, it it's not even i can't separate that from from what made me a comic book fan but uh hands down one of my all-time favorite anthologies Interesting. Love it. Yeah. Not surprising, right? I hope this one isn't surprising either because I didn't cheat, but I combined two because they're essentially the oh, same. Oh, did you now? I they're, was going to say, I was wondering, I thought they were going to be one and two. Okay. No, yeah. they're essentially the same book. And uh, my number two is Eerie and Creepy. <laughs> Those were the two I said. I was like, well, these are going to be on Vince's list for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, come on. Uh, mainly because Corbin, Corbin. Richard Corbin and Richard Corbin. <laughs> uh, but you had Wrightson and Ditko and Paul Neary and, jeez, uh, the, the list is is huge. Uh, Esteban Maroto, right? San Julian, uh, Jose Gonzalez. There's a ton of amazing talent that came out. Uh, Alex Toth, John Severin. Like, what? Uh, Warren publications are they sh- these two should be my number one but they're not uh, obviously because I put them in two because a lot of the same artists appeared sure. in in number one uh, but Alex Nino how do you how do you discount anything with Alex Nino or or Bruce Jones or Rudy Nebris or, or uh, it's a, it's just some and Wheezy Wheezy worked on them. Uh, Archie mm-hmm. Goodwin, uh, th- th- just the talent is like stupid. Uh, the best horror. I know I'm the, the EC looms large, but for me, the Warren uh, anthologies are the best best horror comics ever produced. I'm sure Jim would love to hear that that he got one over on uh, uh, Mr. Gaines, but yeah, for my money, the Warren stuff is the tip of the the, the pinnacle. Of that horror mountain, mm-hmm. and you know, so yeah. I, didn't, I didn't mention Vampirella. You didn't. I didn't. No, you didn't. No. I, I love it, your, but maybe that's your number one. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not. Um. All right, number ones. Uh, my number one is uh, a book that I still like. As we were doing this list, I thought, "God damn!" Like, I thought this was just a magical moment in comics especially modern comics, um, especially for me, having spent a, ha- now half of my comic fandom as a pure Marvel fan 
to then, you know, come late. I mean, it's been 20 years now, but it, it felt late at the time because it was 20 years in of, uh, of of DC. You know, this was just really special on a lot of levels. It was special in its first form. And I think that its subsequent form is also awesome. And I have both forms, and that is Wednesday Comics. Um, I just loved the excitement that we all had with the, with the newspaper format because it was so unusual at the time. And it was it was it was the closest thing at the time to water cooler conversation, you know. Um, I also have love for it because when it was coming out it was when we were when when we were just getting the show rolling and our show was getting, you know, I think hella popular at that time. And we were talking about every 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 issue of it, and and I think getting a lot of feedback on it. And I look back even now, and then of course, so we got the paper versions at first, and then we got a beautiful mega oversized hardcover which still sits on my shelves um and you look at the creators involved and it was just it even now it's just it's still jaw-dropping you know you had azarello and Rosso obviously doing batman you had gibbons and sook doing commandy and you know uh you had uh you know busick doing green lantern you had neil fucking gaiman and mike allred doing metamorpho i mean um you know it just was it was just really special uh to see these people i mean he had walt speaking of wheezy had walt with Stelfreeze on art doing the demon and Catwoman, I mean, just it, it, Kyle Baker did Hawkman. It it just was incredible. Um, and in a way, I'm I'm I guess like the fact that we never had anything like it since is probably cool because it makes it that much more distinctive and unique. But I also think it was so wonderfully done that, and it's been almost 15 years that it'd be nice to maybe have another go of it um and i think it's also a huge credit to mark chiarello which i would argue is one of the 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 more unsung heroes of comics of big two comics uh, you know in our lifetimes um i think that there's not a person that's worked at dc that doesn't view chiarello as 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 a seminal figure but he rarely gets that kind of accolade because of his role which is art director um so I just love everything about it, you know, in in all shapes and forms, and and also at the the time timing is everything, and for me the timing was perfect because it really helped cement my newfound at the time love for DC. So um so yeah so that's my number one. I am not surprised. It it it's in my top ten, um, and it is it's it's everything you you said. Um, the Number one, my number one is one I've talked about plenty of times. Um, the fact the graphics was smart enough to publish one of the stories from this anthology in its own standalone large size story. Um, and the idea behind it and, and, and the reason it exists is weird and, and not your typical, hey, let's publish a comic uh type event but uh my number one again because of when it happened where i was when it happened who was involved in telling these stories uh is from like i said from fantagraphics actually kind of published by the comics journal it's anything goes there's just it's a weird one it's uh it's something I'll rescue from time to time if I see it in the back issue mins or, or, or a decent price on eBay. It's just um, I cannot tell you how many times I've I've uh, I've read 
the bulk of these six issues. It's just um it's it's a weird series, um both in its origins and the creators involved, but um but when when people want to uh rally for a cause, um when when you look at your Rolodex and, and you look at the the people you have that uh you can rely on, it's it's an insane list of talent. Alan Moore, Frank Miller, Don Simpson, uh, Los Bros Hernandez, uh, Jan Stranded. I mean, it's just, it go on for days. Sim, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, all because uh, one writer called another a fuck bug, and, and it just, it, or bug fuck, and it's just, it, it, it goes off from there. So yeah, anything goes from Fantagraphics, uh, 1986-87-ish. Um, it's I I love it. It it's an all time hands down favorite. Nice. Yeah, it's a good one. It certainly is. I bought the first issue of my number one straight off the rack. So what, forty forty eight, forty nine? <laughs> Wonder Woman number one? And um where comics book was back alley. Detective twenty seven. And um Dirty, uh, the shit underneath your fingernails, and the 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 filthy photos that you you found all folded up or, or thrown in the woods like that was comics book. It was a, a a type of forbidden that was skeevy and and sweaty and, and dirty. Uh, this was had a lot of that, but this was elegant and some of the most beautiful artwork I've ever seen since. Um, my number one's Heavy Metal. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Corbin, Mobius, you could stop there. Uh, Drew Yeh, Creepax, Ezepiri, Enki yeah. Bailel, Angus McKee, Liberatore, Esteban Maroto, <sighs> Steve Bissett, and then all of a sudden, all of the uh, the Kubert School guys flooded into it. 1941 is one of the best graphic novels ever published, but it's not heavy metal proper. I get it. Um, but Simonson. And then when um, Kevin Eastman bought it, you would get a complete graphic novel in an issue like this. The issue would be like 160 some pages and you'd get a complete European graphic novel, an album in it and with other stuff. And it would be like four ninety five. Mm-hmm. It was, it was an embarrassment of riches. Um, I don't think Morrison, uh, managed to save it. I don't think Tim Seeley and company got anywhere close to the original, um, I don't think whatnot's going to anyway, but I'm yeah. I'm there. I'm 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 down for the first three or four. I have to give it a shot because it's heavy metal. Uh, but the OG heavy metal, H.R. Uh, Giger, like the 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 Hildebrandt brothers, like I've I've seen artists in heavy metal that completely transformed my life. Mobius being num- like the first that Mobius and Druyer were the, the first time I ever encountered them was in heavy metal Jacques right. Tardy heavy metal like yeah yeah you know it, it's a stupid it in my mind my opinion heavy metal is by far the greatest sequential art anthology ever published there's sure. nothing that even comes close it's it's just it's ri- just ridiculous I hate the movie but that <laughs> be, be that as it may um but I loves me the magazine and uh, 
again, it is, um, I have very, very fond memories of every metal. I'll pull them out um, from time to time. I mean, I've read them a bazillion times and I'll read them a bazillion times more. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't understand why, what not. If they do have the rights to, uh, maybe they just have the rights to the name. I don't know. But if they have the rights to everything that it's been published before, why not do collections by year of heavy metal? Right. That's omnibus size, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, that'd yeah. be great. But I don't know. It's probably the right to that, it's yeah. probably like the movie where the the rights were to the music were were tied up forever. There's yeah. probably something. I would with... be surprised if humanoids might have uh, their hand in some of those. Yeah, exactly. Like, so yeah, it, like it could be real complicated, right? Because well, then it was also licensed. Like it was obviously the, the Eng- it was the English publication rights to the French Metaherlant. So like, yeah. there, there's probably rights upon rights, and it 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 you know I'm sure it got complicated over time. Milo Minara. Um, yeah, yeah, Serpieri, yeah, freaking Druna, yeah. like, come yep. on, it is just a ridiculous. And that's what I was saying. Like, I've come to love so much of that stuff, but I've read it in like non-heavy metal form, right? Like, yeah, I've got all the Menara collections, and I've got a bunch of Serpieri, and you know, I've got a bunch of Mobius, but like, but it it was you know in collections, so it kind of felt a little disingenuous to put it higher than where I put it, but I could not put it because. So much of the stuff that came of it is amazing and influential, yeah. and I've loved what I've so you know. But it was just would have felt like I was kind of like cheating to put it one or two, like because I didn't really read it in that form. But I yeah. would have been shocked if you didn't, though. Yeah, I had to go with it as number one. Yeah. So for the, for those playing at home, um, that's the only yeah. uh, that's the only one that we all have on our list. Uh, it's it's first for Vince, third for Dap, and fourth for me. Dap and I both had DHP. And that's no, that. you and Vince. You and Vince. I'm sorry, uh, Vince and I both had DHP, and that's it. Um, so some pretty diverse. So to recap, um, uh, Daffs was uh, number five. Strange Tales, the the modern Marvel incarnation. Uh, Epic Illustrated, number four. See, Daffs is such a Marvel zombie; it's ridiculous. Uh, number three, Heavy Metal. Uh, number two, World's Finest, and number one, Anything Goes. My number five was X Mag. Uh, number four, Heavy Metal. Number three, Kramer's Ergot. Number two, Dark Horse Presents. And number one, Wednesday Comics and Vince's was number five, 2000 AD. Number four, Dark Horse Presents. Number three, Comics Book. Number two, he he pulled the the he, he pulled the privilege card, and it's a tie between Creepy and Eerie. And number one was Heavy Metal. Yes, sir. So there you go. There are our favorite anthologies that's fun it was fun good job on you because i said let's do a top five list and you threw that out there in three seconds and then that was like bet and i'm like all right let's do it yeah i, I, I don't I know if you guys exactly have any, any um and any honorable mentions i just have a couple real quick um i won't i won't get into those. i'll say like for people looking for anthologies uh pop gun anthology was great solo uh speaking of mark shirola mm. uh flight um comic book tattoo and a, a maybe recency bias, but I loved it. Uh, Grendel, black, white, and red. <laughs> My man, Jesus! <laughs> Send him a Why Christmas is- card. Right? Yeah. Listen, he's my boo. I love you both. I mean, you guys are like my brothers. I'm an only child. You guys are like my brothers. I'm, you know, I'm going to give you some love every now and then. I, that's that's nice. Yeah. yeah. I really struggled with my number six. Uh, did I did I mention it? Cheval Noir. 
No, really, but I like that. Though. It's a yeah. great anthology again because Tardy, but it it also had David Lynch's Angriest Dog in the World. Uh, it, it Mobius was in it. It was it's a beautiful anthology. It ran for a good chunk nice. too. Um, that was my number six, but there, I couldn't justify bumping any of them sure. in, in the five for that. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I was like Dagger Dagger. Uh, there's been a yeah. ton of great anthologies. X Mag, I got to give you. I, I seriously considered putting Tales to Enlighten instead of num- instead of X Mag at number five. Yeah, that's that's would fit the bill. It is an yeah. anthology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Smut Peddler was another of my honorable mentions. Um, you know, just because I, but you know, Dap, did you have any honorables? Uh, I had um, I had DHP. I had sure. Wednesday Comics. Um, yeah, there wasn't. Uh, I I thought about Full Bleed, but that that I don't know if that really fits. It it's. Um, yeah, I, I kind of once once we said what the list was going to be about, I kind of just honed in nice. on mine, and it was just everything else was kind of just blacked out. Respect. Um, yeah, I also struggled with uh, Paper Rodeo from uh, okay. Fort Thunder, uh, that monster anthology that uh, it's a big old oversized um, thing. There's there's been too many great, um, and you said Kramer's Ergot. Which yep. is is phenomenal, uh, whatever. It's too, it's just <laughs> too many anthologies. Uh, another one I actually didn't have on my list here, but just popped in my head: Island. Oh yeah, uh, how about that? Yeah, yep. Stoko and Marion Churchland, shout out. Yeah, not Stoko. Um, Brandon, uh, Brandon Graham. Graham Brandon Graham. Graham yeah. Um, yeah. Um, before we move on to talking other comics, I wanted to do a shout out and a thank you. Um, the shout out is to our good friend. Uh, I still cherish the time we got to sp- probably my favorite uh, part of New York Comic Con last year um, outside of hanging out. Eugene Mokes was, was hanging out with him. Mr. Tony Esmond and his partners in crime just celebrated a big milestone episode 400 mm-hmm. of their podcast, the Awesome Comics Podcast. For those that don't know, it is, uh, you know, it's basically uh, it is a world class look at indie comics and small press comics uh, with. Uh, a very, very dirty and wry sense of humor that they bring to the table. Uh, they did a live 400th episode uh, this weekend, and um, we were invited. We didn't participate, or at least I didn't. I don't know if you guys jumped in. I don't think you did, because you would have probably told me. Um, but uh, I know Pat Mills jumped in, and uh, so um, I just wanted to send a shout-out to them. Very well-deserved, and happy anniversary. And then the thank you, which I think is universal, and and also, in a way, is also a thanks to Vince, because I think he he made this happen but, um, you know, we have talked a lot of late uh, in all facets, good and bad, uh, you know, in, in terms of pro and con of the bad idea uh, and, and, and their, their books and their, their business model and the like. And uh, Vince reached out to Dinesh and, um, and, and I think you shared, your, you shared our episode with him, right? He listened I did. to it or at least listened to our, that part of it. And yes, to his credit, because it wasn't all roses, he, he, he seemed to take it with a, with, with a you know, grain of salt. And uh, he sent us in very short order, I mean, because it's only been like, what, like a week since you talked to him. Um, we, I think we all got packages, uh, if, if not to today, this week. Yeah, today, right? Um, and I have to say, you know, if there was any doubt that, um, there is a collector element to bad idea. Um, <laughs> the way that these books are packaged clearly emphasizes that there is because each one was 
uh, indiv- like each book was individually bagged and boarded and then put in between about five backing boards and then all taped very tightly. Uh, so there was no way these books were going to get bent, wrinkled, crinkled, corners turned, anything. But uh, he sent us a big old chunk of uh, of, of their output. Um, uh, and and I you know I don't know if there's Vince maybe you don't, like you could speak to I don't know if there's rhyme or reason for what he sent us because like I know NEX in there which was from the first series some of the stuff that's in there is from the new stuff like the ends so I yeah, don't know I think it I was just stuff that I didn't uh, I hadn't read okay so he was just like well you know uh, but what what do you what are you thinking about and I was like okay, well, this, cool. this, this like, like in a kid in a candy shop yeah and Orc Island weren't in there but no but like it was a big chunk I think it was what like tw- at least twenty like fifteen twenty comics if not. I don't know something around there, but but either way, thank you to uh, Dinesh and Bad Idea. It was very kind of them. So now, I mean, don't bury the the lead. You finished Orc Island, so did Dap. I was gonna say, but both Dap and I read Orc Island. Well, actually, wait. Before that, mm, um, I was uh, yes. Uh, everything you're saying about the packaging, you know, some eBay seller should take note, but. Uh, I was amused when Renee brought the box upstairs and it was an actual diamond box. Yeah, I, I just love my DCBS <laughs> box of the week. And I'm just like, so it just, it, I had, it, it, it was one of those, you know, just chuckle moments because you're going to, you're shipping it in a box from the distributor that uh, we can't find your books in. And, and it was, it was a funny moment. But, uh, <laughs> Yes, um, I'm probably going to read some of the one shots uh, or the two one shots this this week. But yes, we we both uh, finished Orc Island. I think you read it over the weekend, Jason. Yeah, I mean, at the risk of blowing too much smoke up Vince's ass in one episode, because we've already I've already given him platitudes several times this evening. Um, this is another when you're right, you're right. Um, this was terrific in all levels. Um, Unexpected, right? Well, I don't know that it's unexpected. Well, it's hard for me to say unexpected because I this wasn't on my radar at all to read until you raved about it. And then the way that you raved about it, especially the way you, the things you liked about it, I thought I would have been surprised if I didn't at least come away with it on some level okay. liking it. Okay. When was the last time you read um, a series or a miniseries where most of the main characters die before the end of the the story, right, right, and right. one of them gets to talk to God. <laughs> like, what? yeah, what? no, no, no. Oh, oh, you mean about the narrative? I, I yeah. thought you meant just like that. I liked it. I thought you meant like surprising that it's, I liked it. It is thing. fucked up. Yeah, no, I mean that is, I think, one of the best things about it. Honestly, right. um, I, Brian Newberry and I shout out to like we're talking about this. Uh, I think after our last conversation on the on the show about like my because it's weird like. On one level, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't think I like fantasy comics that much. But then, I think about some of my favorite comics, and they're fantasy comics. So I'm like, I don't know, like, and I can't, I as I said, I think a few weeks ago when we talked about this, I can't put into words what it is about a lot of fantasy comics that like you all love that I don't really vibe with. And then like occasionally I'll read one, I'm like, holy shit, this is incredible. Right. I, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know where the line is for me. I don't know why I don't connect with like. I think my baseline for like what I need from a fantasy comic is higher than other genres. I was and I just going to say that. I think your yeah. appetite is there, but your palate is more refined for that genre than it is for, say, 
I don't want to discount anything you read, but like, let's just say funny animals. Yeah, right? 100%. No, yeah. right. No, right. We all have it. Right. Absolutely. So, um, like, and again, I'm not, the only thing that's surprising for me about this, and I was sure that once you talked about it, I, and I, you know, I ordered it while you were talking about it on the show, uh, from eBay, like I, I, the interesting thing to me is that this book was written by Josh Dysart, who I do, I mean, I, I, I don't know, I don't know that I've read all of the stuff he's ever written, but I've read a lot of it and I've liked it. But he also wrote Odin's Eye, which is another bad idea book. And it was, um, I think it was, speaking of Brian, it was it, who I think has great taste. It was Brian's, one of his favorite books of last year. And he actually sent me Odin's Eye um, to read. And so Josh wrote both of these books and they're both high fantasy books, which is kind of interesting. Like the dice starts writing multiple high fantasy books for bad idea. Uh, I didn't connect with Odin's Eye. Um, in any real way. Um, so I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Like dice starts at it again. These are like, I mean, these are, these are just totally different books. I mean, as you might guess, but for me, this book, like you said, there's a couple draws. One Ponticelli's art is just incredible in this. It is super detailed, but like grimy or organic in all the right ways. Um, I just think it's a triumph. Uh, you know, you can, you can, there are definitely comic artists that put too much on the page sometimes where you're like, ah, oh, damn, like what's going on. But somehow Ponticelli just, at least for me, balances that line. Like he, these pages are packed with detail, but it, it's on the right side of it. Like, I'm like, I'm here for all of it. I'm here for all the nuance, all the detail. It's yeah. just wonderful stuff visually. It's just great. The character designs, the world design, the whole thing is just, it just hits me right. You know? And again, may, maybe I'm sure that's subjective on some level, but I just think the art is just absolutely just, just just incredible i mean it it very much not it it's not the same style as like like stoko on like orc stain but like it's the it, like but like the the complexity and the detail in the page is the same in that it's like just hyper detailed but it works and i really loved it and and that carried me a long way through this but like you said the other thing about it is that it's not like a happy ending per se like it's no. like well like it, it, much, it it kind well, it of is, is but like, yeah but like but like everybody like sport like everybody dies like like, like 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 everybody that goes on this adventure like kicks the bucket and i just i loved that because you know even in stories where the vast preponderance of of a team or a quest die there's always the one or two that make it out right it's like oh you know, ten go in, two come out. But like the two that come out have the happy ending. They get to treasure, or they get the glory, or they get the kingdom, whatever it is. In this case, like they all, pretty, <laughs> they all pretty much. Well, they were grossly unprepared for, for what sure. they were going to encounter. But that's and... kind of cool because that is not like I don't think like it's not unusual in these big adventure stories, whether it be prose or movie or or comic, where it is. David Goliath or insurmountable Oz, and they still find a way to come out. And I'm like, oh, okay, like right. props. Like they didn't like it. It was too much. Yeah, they couldn't quite make it work. And I'm like, that's great. Like, yeah, like, I like the so, fact that that they did meet there. And the the only one that actually had a chance was uh, Reaper and Dune, but uh, he was insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what does that say? That that this reality, the one, the the likeliest survivor, is completely batshit crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I I just it, to me it was I I could see the spirit of um, Steve Gerber taking convention, tearing it up, and throwing it out the window. Yep. Because yep. it is this is a very unconventional narrative. You don't expect. 
your hero of sorts to die three quarters of the way through. Yep. And yet there it is. <laughs> I mean, we're we're we are officially old now, right? I mean, we're all <laughs> no, no. I mean that like and again, like like I embrace it, but like we're you know we're very shortly away from being a bunch of off like we will soon be all 50 year olds right like this will be a 50 year old podcast which is you know old but like i think one of the things that i have found um which is both good and bad depending uh because we have consumed so much content and media in our lives is that uh for me like the things i remember now or things i want to talk about on this pod now or the things like I say, hey, have you guys watched it? Like, it are are things that surprise me, and it's inherent that when we're when we've been around as long as we have, like, it's harder and harder to surprise us, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it, and it's and and I that you know there are plenty of like stri- like like Nightwing, right? I love Nightwing it, or Captain America. Like, those are straight up by the number superhero comics. They're they're not breaking new ground. I just think they're well executed. So like they they entertain me, but it's like stuff like you know it's stuff when you're like kind of knocked on your ass and and something about it hits you in a way that you're like oh i didn't expect that and uh and, and those things stick with me and i i put this in there like i there were aspects to this that i just didn't expect and uh and and i really appreciate it for that and so um i will i will go as far as saying that this is by a mile so far my favorite bad idea thing i've read same okay yeah yeah, I think I'd have to agree with that. There's, yeah, I mean, what we have read, um, even a little back of tales, but uh, but or, or it's just, it was nuts. It was, it was, it's. I I didn't know what to expect at, at the end of every issue. I don't know, you know, how our heroes are going to going to survive the day. Uh, they're not but it it's a uh that last page on the fourth issue was was a kicker because i did i i honestly did think that uh we were gonna get someone but it it, it makes sense it's just like reservoir dogs it makes sense for them all to yeah, just, yeah. they, they yeah. You, you know you 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 put your cell and all that it, it's just it is it's a um it's it is you kind of just there really was it, it it's it's a rare case where um it's kind of hard to root for some people. It's probably going to be hard to root for any of the main characters. And, and uh, you just figure, you know, they're, they're going to get what they deserve. But um, there are a lot of stories where, you know, somebody, the guy you don't, the, the character you don't want to uh, win at the end of the day sometimes does. And, and um, but that's also, that's, that's life. It's, you know, sometimes bad people do come out ahead, but this was, this was just this was a nutso kind of story and and i i did have fun with it and and just the way the way everybody kind of treats each other and and you just yeah as soon as you may start to feel some sort of way for any of them like i kind of feel bad for this kid because you know all the shit he's had to put up with all oh but then he just opened his mouth and then you know fuck him it it, it is it's it's i i enjoyed it way more than i expected to not only because Vince talked about it. People on the Slack were talking about it, and 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 the people whose tastes are are varied, and and more often than not, lean towards good shit. But the subject matter isn't as as much as I do enjoy fantasy stories. Um, it's not it's not necessarily the subject matter that I glom onto or or, or seek out, but. Um, 
I, I really did just sit down and, and read these four issues and just kind of get sucked into this world and, and was just blown away by the visuals also. It, it's it's visually stunning work, whether it's the colors or just the amount of lines on the page and every panel, whether whether we're talking about the the town or going through that once they make it through the mist and, and, and they're on the island and just just everything that uh that that they put into this but it's as i said it, it i enjoyed it way more than i expected to and 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 the creators are know their shit so um kudos to, to everybody who worked on it especially rico and that fucking logo but it's a um it's it's extremely entertaining if if, if anybody has been sitting on the fence and and hasn't checked it out um then let me let you know that uh it's not too late i i think you get a kick out of it i think the very universe of of orc island is extremely unforgiving to the point where it has no compassion at all for any of the things living within it because because it's just the 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 way that uh, um, Urgria, she's not just killed; she's almost turned inside out. Mm-hmm. Like, like her body is just defiled and spread. You see her guts come spilling out, and you you watch her die. And it's just like it it's just a cold, unforgiving just world that these characters uh, die in which they die. <laughs> it's like they were born, they had a glimmer of hope. Let's get the fuck out of here, and then the universe is like, nope. <laughs> ain't happening because you're not you're not ready you have to go through the process you have to um evolve and talk to god and and then maybe we'll see what happens but just ridiculously good um again bill dowdy and uh brian newberry's have to thank both of them for uh get me on the bad idea train yeah the, sure. the slack is hopping with the bad idea for sure and uh, yeah again <laughs> props to dinesh for yeah, and you, uh, Dinesh will be uh, making, uh, hopefully, making an appearance here soon. Look at that. Yep. A, re- a return appearance. Return yeah. appearance, yes. That can happen. Yeah. Nice. So, here we go. Um, so we, we got any other book we want to talk about? I got lots of books. Nice. Lots. Lots. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll give you the option. Okay. Uh, what do you want to hear about, barbarians or ducks? Barbarian well, ducks. if you talk about barbarians, I didn't put it on my list, but I actually read that that comic, so we can. Okay. I can, yeah, I go can, ahead. Talk can, about it. I, I want to hear about addendum. it. Yeah, yeah, or I can do it up. You know, a, sort of a, 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 you know, a second opinion, if you will. Okay. Um, well, uh, I have been a Brian Haberlin fan since the Spawn days, right? Spawn. Uh, most recently, what was the name of that? Uh, Sonata, right? For Image, he did a book called Sonata. Yeah. And this book is is written by Brian Haberlin with Hannah Wall, illustrated by Brian Haberlin, with color art by Gerard Van Dyke, and it is a Shadowline book. When was the last yeah. time you saw a Shadowline book? In a minute, um, isn't it interesting? By the way, that Gerard Van Dyke gets equal billing on the cover with Haberlin. I thought that was interesting. Hmm. I don't know. I think the colors are very strong in this. Oh no, I'm I'm not saying they're not, but like that's unusual. Like oh, like for sure. If if you didn't if you didn't know, you would think Haberlin was the writer and Van Dyke was the artist. 
know what I mean? Like because of the way it's the the cover is. Right. Yes, you are correct. Yeah. Um. So go Jim Valentino. Uh, but this thing is called The Last Barbarians, number one. Um, and, and before I get into the thick of it, I want to talk about the cover just for a second. Uh, to my eyes, at first glance, it looks like a caliber cover. Yeah. That's by no means a dig. Um, but, well, you know, what? The, you don't like I, the, I think the I think the cover's rough, personally. Oh, you're crazy! I love the cover. It's mm. it's a wonderful, uh, subdued, earthy color. The same type style and treatment as a caliber book. Like I said, if I didn't know any better, I'd think I was holding a caliber I guess when you book. You said that I took I I, th- I took it as a as a uh, dig, but you meant it in the no. Cover. I meant it very much as a. <laughs> it's a nostalgic and very good feeling. Okay. All right. So um, the last barbarians uh, features a culture. Uh, that is very much the anti-Jason Wood, Be- because <laughs> in, in, no, it's seriously wow. in in this culture, each individual walks a singular path and follows it to their last breath. Like one hones a skill and focuses on that particular skill to the expense of all others. Like diversity is not encouraged in this. Oh, so world. are you saying my my path is? Being more of a polymath is that what no, you, you are ridiculously uh, multitask. Uh, okay, you okay. you can I, I do many. Where you're going with this? No, okay. you're you're good at many different things, and you can do them simultaneously. Gotcha. Right. Um, so diversity is not encouraged. In fact, it is very much shunned. Um, and and uh, in, the inside front cover there features the words of the venerable Jana the stalwart, the guild maestro. Like this world is populated by guilds. There's the you know the uh, the, the warring the, the soldier guild and there's the mining guild and there's the there, there's there are tons of guilds but they all do one thing and they do it really well um, and I'm not going to read it it's on the inside front cover but but read it so there's no multitasking for Jason of the Wood here mm-hmm. um, into this world is born a young lady named Sylve. A.K.A. Silver, S-Y-L-V-E-R. She's a, a hot-headed thief. She's a redhead. So, you know, she's fiery. And um, there's one part in the book where she fends off a giant with little more than, than words and attitude. Like a, vener- a, a, a literal giant. And she just wags her finger at it. Um, and it, it, pisses, it leaves her alone. But uh, the, the, the beginning of the story is she pisses off a client after... She angrily smashes that which she was sent to retrieve. Like the object was cracked, and the buyer complained, and she got pissed off, and she took it and she threw it, and so now she has sullied her name with the guild in the process. So therefore, uh, work is very hard for Silv to find, and to say she's down on her luck is an understatement. Yeah. Um, and you know, one has to wonder how much of that bad luck is self-inflicted. Uh, so she uh, has many things in life over which she has to to watch uh, her brother her brother shadow um, this is a very large man larger frame small of mind uh, because many years prior to the events of this issue Sil's village was burnt to the ground and her parents were killed and her brother was reduced to a simpleton like he's got a big heart and he's he's jolly but there's not all that much going on upstairs, right? Um, Any smalls? He, he does want to pet the puppy, okay. but um, 
all of that that fire and nastiness and death of parents involved a mysterious entity that seemed to have been seeking specifically Sylv. Uh, and she has recurring nightmares about the incident. They have a buddy um, who looks like an anthropomorphic hedgehog badger-looking creature. His name's Randall Hedgington Hampstead the 16th. <laughs> but they just call him Hedgy. Hedgy likes it. He's called Hedgy. Um, so Sylv is down on her luck. They don't have work. She got evicted from her apartment. She and her brother, how are they going to eat? Oh, wouldn't you know, in walks uh, a cleric named Falk. Uh, and the guy has a reputation. So they're in a tavern and he overhears Sylv, you know, I, I got no money. Woe is me. He offers them a job. And Sylv's friend, uh, Maisie, she warns her. She's like, no, 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 no. This guy, this guy's bad. He's been turned away from all the guilds. The dude is just, he's bad news. And so, so making bad matters worse, she's evicted, right? So she has nothing to do. She has little recourse, but to take up Falk on his offer. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, while she was, going through the process of deliberating uh you know should i take this job should i not take this job fighting with friends blah, 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 blah. so falk hires another uh beautiful uh young lady named miss anka and so now he only has room in his budget for one more so sylv and shadow are going to work for half price um and uh matters are settled the group heads for falk's ship and they're watched by something Something that is pretty disgusting and skitters on the top of a roof uh, and fa- and takes what it has seen and reports to someone else. And that's basically the end of the first issue. So um, fiery, hot-headed young lady and her brother get a job to make money and a dark force has been watching her since she's been a child and is now closing in, so seemingly. So that was the first issue. And there's flying whales in it. <laughs> there are, yes. Beautiful flying whales. Um, I am not going to assume anything, but I maybe I'm going to guess that Jason didn't click with this. You are correct, sir. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I see. And so maybe I am. Yeah. An e- maybe I am an easy mark when it comes to fantasy because I love the shit out of this issue. Yeah, no, I mean, I. Oh, um, you're way more forgiving, Vince. Yeah, that's. Oh, yeah, sure. That's a given. Yeah, if there's well, a sword the and a genre, wizard right? in it. Yeah. yeah like yeah. you said, I mean, we all have our things, right? Like, like you know, you give me a, uh, you know, a young ingenue slice of life comic, I'm good, you know, and you're like, I don't know about this, but like, no. Um, for me, and again, it's, 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 uh, I, I just don't connect with, with Haberlin's art like you do. That's mm. all. Yeah. Um, okay. He excels in expression and facial features. His his um, characters run the gamut uh, emotionally, but he could be a tad bit stiff when it comes to... I don't want to say action, but they're, they're, one could get the impression that maybe there is some augmentation going on with his artwork aka yes. aka computer uh, assistant For but sure, yes. um that doesn't 
register all that much with me when it looks this good uh, because it's not like you say, hey, computer, um, render me a, a farm scene. And it just magically, who knows now with this AI shit. Well, AI. Right, yeah. but um, but one has to have a, 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 the eye of a designer as well as the soul of an illustrator to pull off panels that look like this, right? It's the, They don't just magically appear. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, that, they're, that, is, that is a totally fair... I'm glad you brought this up because I... Like, it's weird. You, you have this... It's fascinating when I think if I was like trying to map your the art that excites you. This would feel like I no, I feel like I could I could I could get to a lot of it. Like I could be like, oh yeah, that's Vince is into that. He's not into this. He's into that. He's not into this. But like every now and then, you you come at me with an artist, and I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> and 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 Haberlin's one of them. Like, um, I I think, like you said, like for me, it looks real CG and real stiff, and it's like. I feel like this is the kind of thing that Vince would hate and like, but you appreciate it. And that, that fascinates me because I, I, it, you keep me on my toes. Like I can't quite figure out what it is about Haberlin's art that you're not put off by. Cause it, like, cause you get so excited about like raw, like I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put my pen or my pencil down on the page and let it happen. And I'm not going to worry about yep. The line, like it is going to be what it is because it's expressive and that's what it is. And you love that. And then I it's do. like, this is so, so modulated, so like, but it feels almost laborious to me. And it's like, I'm like, hmm. I'm like, it's interesting. Like, like, and I, and again, like, I'm not besmirching it, but it's just, you know, there are, there's a, just this wide range of art and, 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 and our Venn diagrams don't always overlap. And I just, uh, True. I just find that interesting because it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, um, I don't know, Dap, if you've looked at this book yet, but like, for me, the art was just a huge turnoff, and and I don't like, it, but but I but for you, it's a, it's like a selling point, so it does fascinate me. There is skill involved in the production of this art, sure, and I'm M- not saying there's not. But, no, much in the same yeah. way that um, remember when uh, Sedgwick was on Witchblade, yeah, and he made a brush that would do all of those interconnected, um, like Sarah's armor the interconnected panels that were like the louvered um, undulating way that her armor and the witch blade would work. He had a brush mm-hmm. that did that. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, oh man, that's, that's fucking lame. But I'm like, <laughs> no, it's actually not lame. It's actually smart because mm-hmm. work smarter, not harder. Right. And, right. and so were he to hand draw all of those segments they probably wouldn't have come out any more organic looking than the brush because he made, he constructed the brush. I think it's an illustrator or, or whatever, Photoshop. But uh, so, so he made the brush. So therefore he, he set the parameters of this tool. Is that any different than whittling the point of a chopstick? Right? Yes, you're going to get a much more organic mark or line with a, with a, a, a sharpened chopstick than you would with a digital tool. But the, the impetus, the, the, the idea is the same, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to discount digital help um, because it, it exists. With this, and this is the world in which we live now. Um, all of my students, save for two, work digitally. Like you can't get around it. It is what they do. They they want to do that. No one goes to Michaels to buy a bucket of paint 
or 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 graphite or or you know nobody they don't spend money on material because it's all in the machine i get it right but i i can't really poo poo the 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 path taken to get to the end result when to my eyes the end result looks very good um specifically haberlin's shadows i think his shadows are magnificent um, they, they, there's a three dimensionality to his work that I, there's weight, there's presence, there's atmosphere. I, I just, I love his, and it could have been the fact that he worked on Spawn all those years ago, but anyway, whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, I think the guy is very good. Um, Sonata was really cool. Uh, again, very much in the same vein as this, but, um, like, like Sylv's, her facial expressions, like she is damn cute. She's pouty and 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 uh, uh, she just like almost disengages with the world. She's she's a hothead. I I, I don't know. I don't know what, how many other ways I could say I, I I like the visuals in this book. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. I I wouldn't approach my work f- from these angles, but to see it pulled off by someone else, it's it's really neat. I like it. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, I'm in. I'm locked in on this. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yep. Um, I was going to say, uh, we always say, well, I wish there were more fantasy books out there. Um, and and uh, there's a, 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 a massive amount of fantasy titles these days. But I, I could always. Say, I don't think we're lacking in fantasy no. titles. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking last night as I was watching um, a documentary on Netflix. You know what we don't have much of. Western and I movies. think, well, yes, but uh, one, let's talk about ones that would sell. Um, <laughs> okay. I think, uh, should a publisher want to lock in to uh, a sizable audience that um, all of these documentaries on Netflix have proven to attract, we need true crime comics. And I'm not saying like criminal or reckless type true crime, where it's a fictional narrative, like a procedural Real life Ted Bundy or or Night Stalker, like not those have been done to death, mm-hmm. but but um, real true crime ripped from the headlines with all of the data that's already been collected. All of the characters are in place. Get some talented writers and artists to make sense of this thing and just publish true crime comics. I would buy every one of them. I would. It's especially if there's a uh, the crimes were perpetrated in the seventies or the sixties. Oh my God! I mm-hmm. yeah, no, you don't think so? Well, there's the um, Jonathan Case did those the Green River Killer. Um, I think Dark Horse and, published well, yeah, that. Yeah, what I mean, was that one you just talked about, Vince? It was like a an old school reprint of like oh the, yeah the Kelly stuff. Um, yeah, right. But that's that's a mere blip. I mean, I mean an entire line of this stuff. Or mm-hmm. a publisher that focuses exclusively on true crime. The the stories have already been told. Sure. Right. You just gotta you just gotta find a way to package them and translate them in in novel ways to attract an audience. Yeah. Throw Michael Allred on it, or 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 Rizzo, not Rizzo, because he's too uh, locked in a hundred bullets, but. Um, there, there are tons of artists that, that could do justice to this and, and uh, as many writers that would 
really knock it out of the park. Like, can you imagine Matt Kent translating true crime? It'd be great. So have, did you read Blue Book number one yet? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I only bring it up because I, I mean, there's no one on the planet that I know that cares more about UFOs than you do. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, Blue Book is a, um, it's a dark horse book, new number one, uh, written by the uh, writer of the, of the, du jour, the, the king of, of comics writers these days, James Tyne in the fourth with art by Michael Avon Oming, which I was very excited to have, uh, Oming back doing a book, um, and the conceit of this book is that it's um, it is a comic retelling of quote unquote true. Um, you don't need the quotes. No quote unquote true. No, you, you really don't need the uh, alien encounters. <laughs> okay. So the first issue is um, about the Betty and Barney Hill uh, encounter, which if you have even a a passing interest in ufo history uh that is a very well-known story uh, yes. from the early 60s um so i thought oh this is cool and i also oh man vince is gonna eat this up but then i will be honest i read it and i thought oh it felt very flat to me and yeah. i was like wow uh like it's kind of hard to make like a ufo abduction story boring but i think they did hmm. uh well I don't want to say it was boring, but it is a variation on a tale that I have encountered <laughs> a trillion times, a tr uh, at least yeah. a trillion times. And yeah. it's like, um, but it's the OG one, right? I mean, that's the point of it, right? Like, but yeah, but that doesn't mean you need to retell it again. Right. Um, I, it's like I Batman with the per it's like with the pearls. Yeah, I I don't need to go into the Betty and Barney Hill story again. I, yeah. but, um, I I don't think it's a good way to start. Uh, I don't. Need, I don't even know if this is a series, but it is. But, yeah. Okay, so if you're talking Blue Book, you have hundreds or thousands of of documented cases from which to to plumb. I guess even um, you, you can even focus on J. Allen Hynek. Like focus on him. Betty and Barney Hill. They should be in it, but not in the first issue. Like no. Uh. Uh. It's just. It's too familiar. It's maybe that's what they were thinking. Like, okay, let's right, let's. Right. It, I I. It's an important case because of the mixed. Um, Be Betty was white. Uh, Barney was black. That's it, it's you know James O. Jones was in the in the in the movie and it's great. Um, and it's very important because these people were f way ahead of their times. A, a married yeah a mixed a mixed a mixed race couple in 1961 was crazy no no yeah, they were was, they yeah. were a target right yeah. by by from many things i don't know i mean i may be being unfair to to tinian and 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 company but i just thought oh as soon as i i was like blue book oh my god betty and barney hill fuck me <laughs> really like stop yeah. i don't want to read it again i've read it mm -hmm. And yes, and maybe you're going to put a little spin on it, but no, no. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I was, again, I, I really do. I mean, I love Tyne and and I and I love Oming. I, I just don't. Me too. I mean, and 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 I'm not to your point. I'm not like I'll I'll check out the second issue because, you know, we'll see what story they pick next, and and maybe that'll get it going. You know, maybe it's just it, this wouldn't be the first comic series where the first issue isn't indicative of what we get, right? So. So I'm, but yeah, it's like okay. Yeah, um, Oming's great. Uh, we all love him. 
but I think he's a bit too literal for the uh, some of the psychedelic aspects of the uh, the story. Like, sure, um, sure. when you question reality and you wonder, you know, what just happened to me? Where was I? Somewhere else? Or like, just skewing some of the the forms. I don't think that's enough. Right, I, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I think uh, like one you would think like Sinkevich would have rendered the shit out of this, right? Sure. You would, you would have think you were losing your mind along with Barney, right? But it just seemed it was too, uh, and and pun intended, it's just a little too black and white for me. Yep. There, yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna keep yep. an eye on it, but uh, yeah, Sam, yeah. no, Sam, yeah. Uh, Dap, what's curled your toes this week? Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, got my hands on the first volume, the collecting the zero issue and the first five issues. Uh, the zero issue of Captain America and the first five issues of Captain America: Symbol of Wait, Truth. Time, so out, time out! Time out! Time out! Time out! Very pleasantly surprised. Do you not trust your boy? It's not that. It's not that at all. Okay. I'm. I haven't. Your boy's uh, been singing the praises of this goddamn book every issue. Yes, yes, yes. You have. Um, and I really want to read Sentinel of Liberty because I really am a big fan of um, of Colin and Jackson's work on uh, on Star Trek and and this. Um, I the reason why I was happy about it is uh, the art's phenomenal. Um. The uh, the artist is primarily R.B. Silva, um, yeah, with uh, Izzy Carlos and, and Julian Shaw. And it is, it's, it's pretty much like ninety nine percent of the way through. Um, pretty, pretty well done. Uh, there's a couple pages because of the assists that uh, that aren't as strong, but um, but overall, it's it's a great looking book. But I also because I am not. I'm, I'm, I'm particular these days as to where I dip my toe in with 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 the big two, uh, so I'm not as um, well versed in the entirety of of the Marvel universe or or the DC universe. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on across the entire all of the lines. So um, it's nice when I can just kind of try something and not be completely lost and there are some things that go on here that um and and there's there there's enough uh tochi leaves enough to um either lets you walk through the door to to get more information or there's enough on the page where you can kind of just okay i get it and and move on with with the rest of the story so um i appreciate that i didn't need to know everything leading up to uh the two gentlemen sharing the captain america title and 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 i didn't have to study and and read mountains of of work just to kind of enjoy this trade and um and i i, I thought it was a really solid start um the uh the, the, there's a couple pages here that i definitely want or to read especially the the conversations between um sam and misty but uh it's it, it's pretty much, you know, Sam Wilson, Captain America, um, and and 
there's you also have uh, Joaquin the Falcon um, taking care of uh, pretty much a, a side quest, more or less dealing with uh, dealing with family. But um, there's a whole uh, there's 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 not necessarily incursions, but there's there's definitely some. Uh, overstepping when it comes to boundaries and countries and and wakanda gets involved in this and uh there's there's one editor's note that you know lets you know what if, if you want to find out what's going on with t'challa and and, and shuri and, and the current state of affairs to definitely check out black panther but um sam going around and uh just trying to help um his fellow brothers and sisters and and making sure that uh, there's there's a human trafficking angle. They they go to Latveria, and Deadpool makes an appearance. And and when the Wilsons are getting together, they're, they're, that's a lot of fun. It just it it really kind of it it kept me engaged and entertained throughout the entire thing. I I I basically I think I I only put it down briefly because. I had a meeting at work. Other than that, I would have just completely read the whole thing um, in in the afternoon. But this was um, this was this was a lot of fun. The the colors are great. The art's fantastic. The first um, the zero issue um, is illustrated by as soon as I find the damn page again. Um, the, the zero issue is actually um, with both Steve and Sam and and taking on. Um, Armin Zola. The Zero is written by the three writers working on both cat books. Uh, art is by um, Matea de Ilius and uh, and of course the cover for the Zero issue is is Alex Ross. R.B. Silva does the covers of the uh, the Symbol of Truth series. But um, yeah, I just I, I I like that. I don't need to know what's going on with the Avengers or anything else just to just to enjoy uh, these handful of issues and uh, the the new the, the white wolf and um, machinations that he's got going on I I uh, yeah I'm really looking forward to the second volume now but this was uh this is great so uh, you asked you know what what's curling my toes this this definitely did I um mommy yeah I, I I it's not one of those things where you know I'm trying to catch up or just you know to see what what I might be missing the boat on I just figured let me let me try this and um and just to see you know if it's something that uh I want to continue or if it's you know I'll I, I tried it and I'll I'll come back in uh in a year or so and see where things land but uh but no I I, I dug this a lot and and the whole thing with um with crossbones and it's just seeing and and of course because it is Captain America's book he kind of gets the upper hand with his uh with his one on one with the uh, with the Black Panther, which I don't know if that would really happen, but it is one of those things where you know you just kind of have to listen. I, I respect that it's your book, so so you can right, you can right. get the W for here. But but the conversations that they had, and 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 that's that's what hit hard. That's it's it's not just yeah, you just face value. You could just look at the pages and just you know it's your typical superhero fare. There's punches being thrown. There's there's people being saved, and and that is what it is. But what Sam is spitting and, uh, and, and what the, the, the little bit of politics we get with the, with the story. It's, um, it's, yeah, it, it's, 
it's relevant. It, it, it makes sense. And, uh, and it, if you're paying attention, um, hopefully you, you can kind of see something there and, and connect with it. But, uh, but as far as just straight up superhero fare, it's, it, it's a home run. I, I enjoyed it a lot. So yeah, uh, I'll be checking out the next volume. Respect. And I'll be checking out the uh, the Steve book as well. Nice. Vince, wake up. <laughs> it's good. It's funny because it's, it's true. It is it's, true. It's, it's, what do you, what do you got, Jason? Well, I got, I've been talking nonstop, dog. That's all I do is talk. Oh my! Win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> now, um, well, I I will talk about a book because you were like jealous that I had it, and so that pleases me greatly. Um, oh shit! Yeah, dog. You know how we do. Yeah. Um. So, uh, because you know, I'm on the cutting edge of comics fandom, uh, <laughs> unlike Vince. Um, you know, I just I, I I pay attention to what's hot. Um, I received in my box this week, um, Spa, S P A, by Eric Svetoff which is S-V-E-T-O-F-T, published by, you'll guess it, uh, Fantagraphics. Um, yep. Yep. Um, I'm at a point, as we talk about a lot, where I pretty much buy anything Fanta's going to send my way. I, I, I just have a tremendous amount of faith in 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 their ability to curate stuff. And, and while, you know, not everything's going to be a you know, 10 out of 10. It's, it's always something I feel like I was happy to have experienced and, and it challenges me and, and it's just, you know, so it's, I'm always excited to see what they have brewing. And, um, you know, when you're going to solicit a book and tell me that it's, it's, it's evokes David Lynch films, Lawrence Von Trier films and, <laughs> and, and Junji Ito comics. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, oh, okay. You know, um, and that's that's how it was solicited. Uh, it is a uh, based upon the um, the solicit. I, I assumed it would be a like a straight up horror comic, and I guess in in a lot of ways it is a horror comic. Like I don't I don't want to suggest it's not, but like um, I, I I don't. It's it's horror more in like psychological, right? Like it's more like. Um, I'm trying to think of like a psychological move. Like, uh, it, it, this is not like a like a particularly gory like like lots and lots of things getting killed type of a horror comic. It's more of like a. I think the Junji Ito thing is is apt. It's more like a oh very oh much. God, yeah. I'm going insane. You know, I can't believe these things are happening. Is it reality? Is it not? What's going on? My mind is melting. Type of a thing. Um, my understanding is that uh, is that is it uh, Svotov did this is his first ever. Uh, comic, which is pretty insane. Um, I don't know what he was up to prior to this, uh, but I would imagine he has a history of storytelling because this is certainly a very accomplished thing. The premise, like the 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 elevator pitch, is that you are experiencing a very high end spa resort in Europe and watching um, like a voyeur the goings on of uh, the staff and some of the um guests that is what the comic is about but it is that is an unfair characterization of what you're getting because this is one of those books where the narrative isn't all that important there is a narrative like there is a there is a there is a through line but but 
it's really as I can gather a through line just as a mechanism to tell you crazy grotesque psychological horror like like it is and it starts off relatively benign like you've you've got people arriving for for the weekend for the spa and you've got the the manager who's very polite and you, you know so forth so on and then as as the book goes on more and more things happen that are strange right at first it's like uh this couple who seemingly are normal and they're like let's get away for the weekend you know they but like then like it flashes over and there's like a dead body in their closet and like you're like okay that's weird and then and then you know you get to the hotel and it's like a, a vip arrives and they're like they're bowing to him and he's like you know yeah you know i want i want one things this way i want my room this way blah 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 and they're like they're bending over backwards but then like you know then he's like slicing up people you know there's like a janitor who's like okay you got to clean this spill and he goes over and 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 you know it's 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 not a spill it's like this this black ooze pouring from all of the walls and it's like uh, how does you know and it's just like all these random weird things that happen and, and they get darker and darker until it descends into just pure madness where you're like just like I don't I don't know what's going on this is just baffling but but you just have to immerse yourself in it um you know I wouldn't it's it's it is a bold move to compare yourself to Edo or Lynch and and I don't know that I mean if I'm being completely honest with you I don't know that I could say that this lives up to those very high bars I mean, those are masters. Those are all timers. But in terms of like the school, like if it's like, it is definitely of those schools, you know. And 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 if you're a fan of those things, as I am, and I know you are, Vince, and like it, it delivers. It delivers. You know, um, if you just view this for what it is, which is just 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 Svotov, Svotov, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Svotov's um, just just quest to tell us a story about the insanity of consumerism in a horror uh with a horror veneer it's it's a, it's a wildly accomplished thing and 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 that is i've said nothing of the art the art is just i mean the art's where you succeed or fail in a thing like this with the art right like the yeah, art has definitely. to be has to be grotesque and frightening and shocking and 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 detailed and and take you to places that your mind wouldn't go otherwise and it does that like his art is his art is of that level. Like his art is 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 right up there with 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 Anito. Like like I think the art is there. Not sure the storytelling is quite there yet. But but again, if this is truly his first, if this is his debut, which it, which Panographic says it is, we've got uh, some amazing times ahead as he puts out subsequent stuff. And and I I would say if you in, are you if you're into dark comics, um, this is an absolute. You'll you'll love this. Um, there's nothing redeeming about it. Like in terms of like, there's no, there's no ray of light. This is just a descent into madness. And if that's the kind of thing you're vibing with, which occasionally I am, then right place, right time. Um, it is a 328 page hardcover. It is two color. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's slightly smaller than like a regular comic. I think it's like seven by 10, but, um, but it's, it's wild. And one of the craziest things about it is, Svotov's depiction of facial features like every person has like the same face um and 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 it's weird and and at first you're like what's going on but like I think it serves the story well it does because again it like that it's basically like a takeoff on consumerism and um so I think it works in this case and I don't know if like that's his but I don't know if that's the way he draws in general but like 
but it definitely works in this story. So I give him credit for that. And uh, as you can probably tell, I mean, I really did enjoy this quite a bit. And I think it's, I know a lot of people kind of don't do the pre-order diamond thing for, for, for fanographic stuff. Cause you wait for the, the annual uh, 50% off type of a thing. And, and if, if, if you are making a little running list, a punch list of things for this year's 50% off sale to grab, I think spot should be at or near the top of the list. Yeah. There you go. I'm just pissed that you got it and I did not get it yet. There you go. And it was translated, so I think it must have come out in some other, I don't know. He seems to have a Norwegian type of Yeah, it was published uh, somewhere else because uh, the cover for the, I don't know what edition, is the uh, featured image for this episode. Oh, gotcha. Because I know Melissa Bowers is credited as the translator, so I don't know from what language, though. Yeah, Crazy language. Crazy town. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here so much. We hope you come back next time uh, because we will have much more of the same uh, for you. And who brought that to you? The patrons. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics in your travels. Guess what? Guess what, Jason? What's that? We have an, a Fanographics Orama. Damn. And conceptual continuity, because not only am I going to talk about a Fanographics book, but it's an anthology. (laughs) Yes. Um, Gee, Fanographics anthology, what could I be talking about? This is the awesome, now, the New Comics anthology, specifically number 12, edited by the great Eric Reynolds. Um, uh, Geez, uh, this is a difficult proposition because... A lot of the stories in this uh, anthology defy language. You know, what do I mean by that? Well, I could tell you what's happening uh, on each page, but it's not going to make a whole lot of sense to you. Um, I don't think within the narrative it makes a whole lot of sense uh, as 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 applied to to words right these are things that exist uh, as images uh, which instantly generate concepts within our brain not necessarily tied to language is okay that's i guess what i'm saying um and there's a lot of strips in here that aren't bound by words they're just they're just pictures so so therefore what's going on well i guess my translation of these events would be far different from your translation uh and as would be jason's and and david's um they uh, like okay there's a man that is is in this one strip called Big Head, Pointy Nose, right? By Banu Pratap. It's a man with a big head and a pointy nose. And he has a, a bubble or a sphere or a baggie or a membrane of of liquid surrounding his head. And um, his his nose pierces the bubble, and uh, he inadvertently steps on a hatchling from a, that fell out of a nest, 
And you get to see in extremely graphic detail the critter that was uh, extinguished as he slipped upon the body of this thing, piercing the bubble of the membrane of, of stuff around his head. And then in so, he's crying. He's obviously distraught because he ended this bird's life. And the, the mother bird is crying and assaults him. And his nose splits <laughs> into a beak. And uh, he resembles the bird that... Uh, okay... Uh, I'm not going to give away the ending. I don't even know what it means. So I can't really give it away. But uh, like uh, sometimes talking about these things, uh, they, 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 they does a detriment to the work because, yeah, what I just said about that strip, is there anyone that's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get on that. But to me, the thing, there was, there was a resonance to it. It, it connected um, on some kind of a level that's not controlled by words. And there are many um, strips in here. There's a Noah Van Skyver uh, strip that focuses on Jurassic Park before it comes out in the theaters. And there's one kid who says he's seen it. And the other kid's like, bullshit, you didn't see it. And he's like, oh, no, I saw it. And he proceeds to get the movie totally wrong because he didn't see it. <laughs> You know, um, and in uh, the Noah, Noah Van Skyver, I think, is the star of this issue because, um, Dap, you're familiar with the anthology. On the back, uh, how they uh, they usually do the three panels connected to the contents page on the back of the book. Yep. Well, uh, Van Skyver does this one. And the first panel is a very tightly rendered um, pulp hero with a in the flash gordon mold with a, a dale arden type character uh sidekick and they're riding atop this this uh strange this kaiju uh it's it, it's a horse with a beak it could be some from burroughs you know martian books and there's a there's they're in a jungle and there's a a, a bird type creature in the background it's very tightly rendered and then in the second one the rendering gets a little more loose and she's not as attractive as she was in the first panel. And the hero looks a little bit crazy. <laughs> he's, he's sweating and he's got something working on him. Um, and his tattoo suddenly changed from panel one. But the third panel is almost an abstract, um, as if he squinted at the first panel and just took the major, uh, shapes and dark areas. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just a, a, a thumbnail of of what the the first image is, but I think it's brilliant and and it works so beautifully well in sequentials. Uh, you can't do this in a novel, you can't do this in a movie, uh, not easily. Com this is comics, right? This can only be done in with sequential art, and and I love this anthology. Inside, you get Noah Van Skyver, Pete Bag, Max Klotfelter. Uh, let's see who else you'd, you'd know. Um, Alex Graham did the cover. Uh, as I said, Banu Pratap, Cynthia Alfonso, Jay Webster Sharp, Kayla E., Rahel Suskind, Francois Vignot, Tim Lane. It's twelve ninety nine. It's a prestige format. Well, it's, it's perfect bound. Um, it's just beautiful. But 
uh, ask me why, and I'm not going to be able to find those little arrangement of letters to tell you why. Because these these a lot of these strip, they they just defy language. They doesn't work in those parameters. So um, yeah, there's a penis that's a centipede. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's disgusting and, and wouldn't that be a centipede? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> a dissolving sure. baby, um, just fuck. It's wow. Yes, uh, get it now. Number twelve, the new comics anthology. It's worth every penny. I'll tell you a secret. What? So Saturday, my DCBS box came, and I opened it yesterday, thinking, hoping. That I'd have the second issue of Ronin Book Two in there, so I could read it and we can talk about it. Um, but I guess the box shipped the day before the second issue came out, so I don't have it yet. But oh, I'll wait for you. Now number twelve was in the box, and I cannot wait. Yeah, I didn't. I really I didn't spoil anything for you. No, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> Listen, bro, it's it's now, and and you could actually like explain in great detail every panel. I'll still read it as if it was the first time yes. I'm experiencing it. It's it's a crazy book, and I love it. There's a huge component. Well, there's a, a one of the best components of art doesn't work with language. Again, we always go back to the dancing about architecture, right? They're they're they're. Taking what we see and translating it into these little cumbersome words doesn't work. Aesthetics is not tied to language, and it shouldn't be. You should feel these things on a, on levels that don't conform to structured boxes of of concepts, right? Whatever. I just think whenever I get a, 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 an issue of now, I know I'm in for it because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go somewhere else, and and just it's like, you know, Jerry Garcia playing up there for 25 minutes. He's gonna pick you up. He's gonna lay you down. <laughs> there are a lot of silent comics in now, and I oh I, yeah, I, I love it. Um. It was like Christmas opening this box. You know what? Oh, no, I'll, I'll save it because I'll, I'll read it and bring it. But um, in your travels, I this was, a, this was a weekend of me just, you know, trying things here and there and, and kind of going off the, the beaten path a little bit. But this was, um, this is called Hypericon or Hyper Icon, but uh, it's by Manuel Fior. It's um, it's published by uh, Dark God, so it's it's a um, it's a translated book. Originally, um, originally published in French in 2022, um, and it's I really don't know what. Um, I was really, the art is what kind of kept me going. Um, But we're, we alternate kind of between 1922, uh, the hundred years in the past where um, there's a, uh, an archeologist who is looking for um, the tomb of uh, Tutankhamun. And then we cut to a hundred years later and there's an Italian woman 
named Teresa who um, is uh, shows up in uh, in at, she checks in at the hostel uh, Europa and she's um, she's in she's in Germany to um, to basically work at a museum and 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 she's going to be involved in um in in this king tut exhibit she's basically reading at the same time she's reading uh the tomb of a tutankhamun by howard carter and ac mace and carter is the archaeologist that uh, that we see at the beginning of this story um but it's kind of it, it, it's Teresa ends up um meeting a young man his name is Ruben, who kind of just uh, flies by the seat of his pants. His uh, his father kind of takes care of him. He's 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 not necessarily a freeloader, but he just he uh, he lives off dad's money, and and he he carries himself as though you know he he doesn't need anything from anyone. Um, but uh, and and he and Teresa kind of have a a a not always on again, off again relationship, but, but they'll say things to each other and, and kind of leave the room or, or, or do a, a, a faux breakup. And then she'll end up coming back to him. And, and cause she's a stranger in a strange land. And there was, uh, when, when she checked into the room the first time they were like, you know, she, she thought she had a, a, a an extended, uh, reservation she needed to be out like two days later so she's looking for a place to stay she was going to stay with the student in the student dorm and that doesn't work because there are no beds available so she ends up going to reuben and the the book was kind of just um i was more interested in the uh the things going on um in in the early because it, it's actually it's i said it's 100 years in the past it, uh, from when this story was actually published, but, but Teresa and Ruben, their story actually takes place, um, at the, uh, it, it's late 99, uh, early two thousands. And, and, uh, you, you start to, you realize that as, um, you know, he's got, Ruben has a cell phone and, and Teresa does it. And, and you're talking about the technology of a cell phone and how everybody's going to have one soon. And, uh, she's on, she's at a, She's using an Apple computer, but it's an old school Apple computer. She's on the old Yahoo page, and it nothing really kind of lets you know um, at the start really um, what year Teresa's story is taking place. Um, there's little hints here and there, but th- there's no year like it is with the uh, the Cairo expedition story plot line um and and then uh, towards the end of the story it's actually september 11 2001 because they go to visit uh their neighbor because ruben's dad calls and says you got to look you got to go watch tv look at the news and ruben's like we don't have a tv so they go to their neighbors and that's when um they're watching uh the towers fall but it, it's basically the story is kind of basically just teresa trying to make sense of of her current living situation and, and working at this museum and what she's going to do once, uh, once the exhibition actually, um, comes to fruition. And it was, it, it was just, it's, it's weird. It, it's, 
I'm I'm not upset or unhappy that I read this. It's weird in your travels because it's one of those things where I don't know who else may have read this, who may have even heard of it. Um, but like I said, it, it it's the art was uh, was was kind of the the driving factor in, in having me continue it. There's also um, there's there's some sex involved and, and some slight penetration, so 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 Jason might dig it. But there's a uh, there's there's um I'm I'm just really impressed with Fiora's art. The shadows, especially when they're in the tombs, and um there's it's just it's it's a weird it's a weird story, and maybe maybe there's there's some underlying themes and and things going on that I'm just too dense to catch and and it's not so straightforward and whatever I'm seeing on the page is actually something maybe more to it but um I it 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 makes me want to check out more of the viewer's work if anything else just to see if this is the kind of stories he usually tells or they tell or if um I just maybe not going to be able to catch on to anything uh they do, but um, but I did. I I, I, I don't want to say. Oh, you know, I ended up sticking with it and and, and made it to the end. And it, it's it actually, you know, I didn't want to put it down. I wanted to see where uh, where we were kind of going with it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was quite. Um, it, if if anything, I really really. Uh, like the art in the book but yeah so uh in your travels if you feel like giving it a shot um manuel fiore's hypericon as you're at it cliff would love this art right the watercolors right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah for sure for sure yeah really nice watercolors and some fucking too i see some, and fucking. some fucking yep yeah hashtag just the tip Vince. um <laughs> All right, in your travels, uh, Vince, if I were to tell you that Mind Management came out 10 years ago, would that surprise you? No. God damn, it would surprise me. I, I really would have thought it was like five years ago. I, I Oh, my flies. God. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, but uh, for those who don't remember, Mind Management, MGMT, was a, uh, a comic put out through Dark Horse. And then drawn by Matt Kent, a Woodrow favorite, and it ran 36 issues. Um, and it was about super spies, basically. Like spies that had preternatural powers, whether it be the ability to live for extended life or healing or, or ESP or, or you know, future sight, whatever. Like there was, and, uh, and, and, and it was really, really great. Um, and uh, it went on to much success in other forms. There's like a board game, there's all kinds of things. And, uh, it's it's been in production for TV movie. I, I think it's it's now in its like third round of that, but it looks like maybe it's finally going to happen. Anyway, um, with all that said, it's been a minute since we got any, and I assumed that uh, we would never get any more. Uh, I believe issue thirty six came out in twenty sixteen, so it's been what's that seven years? But um, but uh, Kent decided to scratch an itch and went back to that world with mind management bootleg and um this was a four issue miniseries it came out last year um but because of my adoration for the og material and the fact that i i triple dipped on all of that 
I uh, thought well, this time, well, I'll wait until the collection. And fortunately, Dark Horse was kind enough to produce a beautiful hardcover of it with a spot varnish galore, Vince. Nice. Spot varnish on the cover. Spot varnish, like the mind management logo, spot varnish, bootleg spot varnish, the glasses that the main characters wearing, spot varnish, all the names of the creators, spot varnish. It's wow. Beautiful. They got yeah, it from Bad Idea. They had an old Oh, sure. Yeah. They stole that from him, yeah. Sure. Um, this book is tailor-made for Woodrow. First of all, it is it is going back to the well of something that I already adore, so that's cool. But um, this, unlike Mind Management proper, this was written by Matt, but drawn by others. Friends of Kent, let's say. And uh, the first issue was drawn by Farrell Dalrymple. The second issue was drawn by Matt Lisniewski. It's nuts, yeah. The third issue was drawn by my boy. David Rubin. And the fourth issue was drawn by Jill Thompson. Um, <laughs> no, she looks real good. No, all front and side. I know I give I know I, I know I give Jill Thompson grief, but she looks great in this. Um, the premise is it's been ten years, aptly, since the events of Mind Management proper. Um, I don't think I'm spoiling anything because this happens in like the first issue or two of the a series that's a decade old. Um, in that series, one of the main characters um, destroys Zanzibar. Um, and this takes place there. Um, we're 10 years later, and a we meet a young man who is a schoolboy, and he is drawn into, doesn't realize it, he doesn't realize it at first, but he's been drawn into a test to join mind management because he can see patterns and uh, he passes the flying colors. He quickly learns that he is being recruited to help also recruit other members of a new mind management. Um, uh, for for those that weren't familiar with the original series, the 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 group mind management is disbanded by the end of the of the original series. But uh, now players want to bring it back because there is a new um, there is a new villain in the world named Mister Hyde, not not H Y D E, but H I D E. And he is using his powers to effectively sublimate and subjugate all of the world by convincing them that lies are truth and uh, turning them into mindless drones who believe anything they see and hear. So, you know, Matt's uh, letting his his letting his uh, political his political views fly here, which I'm a, I'm a fan of because we, we have similar views. Um, but uh this is just a delight. It's it's a delight to revisit the world. It's a delight to see these other creators tell the story. Um, while you guys know how much I love David Rubin, and I think his issue looks amazing, I gotta be... I think Bull's first issue is the star of the show. Yeah. Um, his yeah. style is just perfect for this kind of thing, where you have these mind-bendy, um, psychedelic, visually arresting mental states that he kind of come that you know morph between reality and these in these in these kinds of things. And visually he does just great work at that. Um so yeah, I just I think it was an it's it it was magnificent. Um I'm not surprised by it. I thought it was gripping. Um I definitely think that you I mean you don't need to have read mind management proper for, to read this, um, you know, Kent's a pro and I think he gives you enough that you can enjoy this for what it is. But I think you would be much better served to have been familiar with the source material. Um, 
because I, I think it does draw from that quite heavily. Um, so you're going to get that extra little, little, little oomph, little zhuzh if you're familiar with what came before it. But, um, but uh, I, yeah, I thought this was dope as hell and I love the packaging and uh, I'm just thrilled that we got to revisit this world. So, um, so yeah, two, two big thumbs up for mind management bootleg. Nice. I'm, I'm assuming you said Dalrymple's first issue was uh, the best because you cut out there when you said. Oh, did I? Yes, I did. I said, I, I said, yeah, Dalrymple, I think, take, as much as I want to give the crown to David Rubin, who did the third issue, I have to say, I think Dalrymple takes the, takes the prize here. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you very much for being here with us one more time. Uh, you know the drill. Go buy some comics. Go kiss your loved ones. Pet your pets. Um, hug them, too. Feed them. That's a good thing. And uh, say goodnight. Oh, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid, Dap. I wanted to Why? have... Uh, because I wanted to have... Ah, shit. That that thing that killed you, I wanted to have that while I said goodnight. The, the interview... No, no, no. <laughs> oh, David, that killed that killed me too. Goodnight. <laughs> it's too late to do it now. I can't because I have to do it on my phone. Crap. I wasn't prepared. I hate it. Oh, David. Oh nice. All right, everybody, come back next time. You tell them, both of you, right now, tell them how much you love them. More than words. Oh, there we go. Boy. Wow. I mean, you ask for the I give you the answer, and then you... you right? Oh, hey. That's good. Nice. <laughs> uh, shit. That's it for that one.